Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Six pounds, pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her in cynicism. <laughs> and, and. That was like. <laughs> I whispered That hit it. me in two waves. Because at first I was like, heard Cyn- what you said. Cynicism. And then I was like, what is that word? <laughs> And then I was like, oh, yes, our topic. <laughs> um, Have I acknowledged before? I'm having horrible deja vu, but I think that I've actually, this has already happened to me once. Or it's horrible deja vu, but a couple of weeks ago. Or my, both. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, my husband was like, do you like the movie The Truman Show? And I was like, I don't remember it, but I remember hating it. That's all I remember of the Truman Joe. This is so funny that you bring this up because I was I had something happen to me this week that was Truman Show related. And I was like, Ugh. So I had the thought I was like, I could bring that up on the show, but So Well the reason he asked me was because he wanted to watch it. Yeah. And I he wanted to know if I and I was like, Ugh. I mean it's considered a classic. Okay, Generally. so he's watching it without me. Uh huh. I walk into the room, and Truman says, "Good morning, good afternoon, good evening." Yeah, something. Mm-hmm. That's probably why he was. And I went, "Oh, he stole that from me." <laughs> <laughs> and Eric was like, "I thought that's where you got that." And then I had this horrible moment where I was like, "Have I already? Did this already happen to me?" Where someone was like, "Oh." The Truman Show, and I was like, no, I hate that show. I just have the worst deja vu about it. But the moral of the story is, I did not get that from The Truman Show, and I hate that movie. And I caught, like, the last, I don't know. Well, then I wanted to watch it, because I was like, I don't remember why I hated this movie. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you hate a movie, and then you come back to it later, and you're like, why did I hate it? Sometimes you enjoy a movie, you come back to it later, and you're like, why did I love it? Uh, You're like, I'm so glad I grew up and time passed oh man how many times um and so i made him wait to finish watching it with me and then i fell asleep while we were watching it because it was so boring so anyway not my movie i um i was i don't even know where i saw this but i saw someone quote some person that was like we're all our own version of the Truman Show, blah, what? blah, blah. Someone that what? they were they were trying to intelligently quote this other person that was making, I don't know. I just, I was like, is this intelligence nowadays? The Truman Show? It's, it's not a good movie. I don't, I haven't seen it in a while. I don't remember hating it. I do think I probably didn't like the end. It's I not- feel like a lot of, that's how I... The end falls short. The end's really the it most did. important part. Uh-huh. We uh we have a very weird relationship nowadays artistically with the end of movies. Yeah. Because I think we do. There's just like sort of rebellious streak mm-hmm. because for so long it was like, oh, there's this like redemption at the end and the story ties together and the problem is yes. solved. And, you know, the definition of what a story is. And then at some point someone was like, it's actually more artistic to break the mold right. and leave them feeling unsure or just leave them feeling horribly sad at the end. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know. It's stupid. I used it the, stupid ending. the like very uh, poetic coffee shop cigarette smoking uh-huh. version of me. <laughs> Loved that. <laughs> For now that I'm older. Right. Now that you, you grew up. I'm like, huh. 
Smoking is bad for you. Really bad for you. <clears throat> Hanging out in coffee. And so are bad stories. <laughs> They're bad for your health. <laughs> bad stories are bad for your health. <laughs> Welcome to Sheologians. <laughs> um, yep. So that's where we're at. That's what's happening here. My name is Summer Yeager. Did I say that? Your joy. Um, you should join book club. We're having a really great time. Uh, we're about to probably start a new book at this point. I know. I would imagine that, uh, the pastor's wife has gone quickly. Yeah. It's gone very quickly. Um, and I think maybe that's our takeaway from reading like a more biography story type. It goes quickly. Is we just move through it a little faster. Yeah. We really need to figure out what our next book is. Yeah. We should be announcing that soon enough. Yeah. Okay. So um, gonna, we'll figure that out. Yep. I'm going to put that. Thanks on for being here for that conversation. <laughs> if you would like to plan more things that we're doing, you can leave us a voicemail. Or like speaking of bad endings, guys. 470-465-0475. Everybody talks about the movie Belfast and I like can't get into it. Have you watched it? Mm, I don't. It's newer. Mm-hmm. I, I like not. won a bunch of awards. Yeah. I think someone even told me that it was really good. A bunch of people I trust said it was good. But I yeah. started watching it and was so insanely bored. I don't. I feel like I'm bored more recently. With movies? Just in general with like media and entertainment. It, yes. Absolutely. That's why I'm just watching. Like I'm exclusively just, just, watching the show alone. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is I find one thing that I actually like, yeah, and then we do that, but then it's over. I mean, the good news is, is I'm not not of books, not bored of books, no. So there's always that old fallback reading, yeah. <laughs> if if uh-huh. you're if you're right there with us, you know, yeah, crack a book. Let's see. This week, I uh, I made um. Was that my yeah? I made a cranberry pistachio white oh, yes. chocolate loaf. Uh, I made banana chocolate muffins, which with my discard. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've never made. I think this is the only second time I've ever made a muffin in my life. So that was a new. Oh okay, that was very new for me. Um, the whole I've made a lot of muffins. Yeah, I used to make them professionally. I know, lots. It, it was um satisfying, but the they were gone that day yeah yeah (laughs) you know the thing about food is like it gets eaten and then it's over yeah and then you have to well and then like delicious delicious food yeah is even harder to keep around to be fair i did i forgot i gifted half of it that's right oh okay it was the kind of situation where what happened was uh my daughter was supposed to go to uh a movie night with some girls oh. and all everyone was supposed to bring snacks. Okay. And uh, I totally missed that memo, but I had just accidentally made a banana loaf because I didn't have any more muffin tins. <laughs> and then I got the memo that she was supposed to show up with some sort of snack. And the timing was perfect because I had also just purchased like uh, bread bags and twine, mm. which is not something I've ever had in my arsenal. And then I accidentally purchased, I wanted some linen bread bags and then some to like gift, you know? So I ordered these linen bread bags off of Amazon. I didn't pay attention to, I I saw they had words on them, but I didn't care. I'm like, I'm sure it's something cheesy, like fresh bread or something stupid or live, laugh, love. And I didn't care. They were the cheapest ones and they were linen. So I'm buying them and um, I get them and they are Bible verses about bread. Oh. On the linen bags. Interesting. And then as a bonus, um, beautiful sheets of beeswax to wrap your bread in. Because apparently beeswax Uh keeps it fresh or something. And they're like beautiful. They have like flowers on them. It was just the best Amazon buy and delightful. But all that to say, I got to send my daughter along with fresh baked sourdough banana bread all wrapped up pretty. And I was like, wow, I totally just faked my way into looking like I have it so together. (laughs) Which I think, um, (laughs) if anything, it just proves the benefit 
of doing what our moms did and our grandmothers did, which is like have little things on hand. Yeah. Like a card box. A card box. My grandma had card boxes. Yeah. Or just like little treat baggies or just little things that if in a pinch. Yeah. You need to like throw something together. Punches up the value. Yeah. Yeah, Having cards on hand is a hot tip. And uh, I think now that I'm baking so much, having like little gift bags on hand yeah. is something that I you can, there's need a, to do. There's a thing of cards on Amazon that are just like blank card stock yeah. that come, they're like, it's every color, probably five of every color you could think of. Yeah. And then matching envelopes. Yeah. I bought that a few years ago and still using it. Super simple. Yeah. Easy to just have on hand. These things yeah. that were like, why would I mm-hmm. clutter my life? My grandma had well, here you go. boxes of, she loved having stationery. Yeah. But she also had the most beautiful cursive handwriting you've ever seen. So it's like. My mom does. You know, too, yeah. it's the kind of thing where if you have that kind of handwriting, you should be writing. Like it would be a waste if yeah. she wasn't sending letters. Right. <laughs> like handwritten letters. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why they weren't typing yeah. back then. It's because everyone's handwriting looked nice. Yeah. Uh, funny story about my grandma real quick. Um, my, so my dad just got a new RV. Oh, a new one. Yeah. He had to switch Ooh, them out for nice. some reason. And uh, I'm sure he, so had he had a new one. 10 reasons. I'm sure why. he did. <laughs> so, um, he decided he was going to name it the Betty Lou, which is his mother's Aww. name, my grandma. And I was like, well, I have to tell you. I mean, she told you how she felt about her name, right? And he was like, what? And so when I turned 16 and I got a car, I would drive up to my grandparents' house all the time and just sit and chat with my grandma because she was an awesome lady. And uh, she would tell me. So she was born and two weeks later, her mom died and her mom's sister so her biological aunt adopted her Wow! when she was like four weeks old. Tiny. Yeah. Newborn. Weeks old. Wow. So. <clears throat> when, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, when but so when she was born, her her name that her mother gave her was Elizabeth Ann Rockwell. But then within a month of her being born, her name changed to Betty Lou Summers. And she would say to me, she'd be sitting there staring out the window at her hummingbirds, and she would go, Summer, I was born Elizabeth Ann Rockwell. And she had like the hand gesture to go uh-huh. with it. Just like Elizabeth Ann Rockwell. And then she'd look at me and she'd go, Four weeks later, I was Betty Lou. <laughs> <laughs> and she would say it kind of like, Yeah, like it was a burp, you yeah. know? <laughs> Betty Lou. Like, Betty Lou. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i didn't know if i like took the wind out of my dad's sails or not because he she had never expressed that took the diesel out of feeling his. <laughs> <laughs> quite to him before but i love the name betty lou but she died betty white which is funny right. and then um she uh there was a, a gentleman that was family and his name was james bond right and he was uh, six, you did tell us about yeah, him. Yeah, James Bond. So whenever James Bond and Betty White went around running errands, people thought they were... Eye-catching. <laughs> they were eye-catching. What is going on what, there? Who are these people? Anyway. Try to have at least one friend where when people see you, they're like, <laughs> what? How did they meet? It's happening. Yeah, because he was like six foot three, uh, blackest skin. And my grandma was just the palest five foot one old lady yeah and uh they were quite the pair betty lou anyway and james bond betty lou james bond don't even know how we got there handwriting your mom oh, has yeah. beautiful handwriting mm-hmm. too she does y'all should uh work on your penmanship and teach your kids cursive anyway um you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475 i use rod and staff as my homeschool curriculum you guys are still asking me that it's rod and staff good luck with that yeah, I think they're Mennonites or something, and their curriculum is great. Um, feel free to join us at Book Club whenever. It's not us that makes it super fun. It's all of the people in it. That happens at patreon.com slash sheologians. And um, don't forget that we have a shop, shopsheologians.com. 
That's where you can get all of your feminism is poison gear and some other stuff soon. Okay. This was this was my suggestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk. I mean, uh, I guess y'all probably have realized by now that it typically we typically talk about things y'all are talking to us about. And sometimes, you know, it was really interesting. There was a there was a spate of time there where for a while, if I had to condense the kind of emails and comments and messages we were getting, it had a lot to do with um, anger, mother anger, wife anger. How do I deal mm. with my anger? I feel like that was happening for a long time. Um, not that anybody necessarily would have said that was their problem, but that was what the problem was. <laughs> You're like, in case you you emailed and you're confused, <laughs> here's your diagnosis. You need to deal with your anger. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I think that us reformed folk have a bent towards cynicism that is different than, I would say, the broader evangelical world that has, that is... Uh, cynic in a different way so I think that the evangelical mind if that is a thing that uh, can be defined um, has totally given in completely is extremely jaded and has a negative view of what Christianity can accomplish in the world so I think they are dogs that have completely rolled over I, I don't think that the average evangelical believes that the church has anything to offer the world, that the church should be speaking to the world, that the church should have any sort of even political influence. Um, the church, I think, effectively has been neutered and in that way is guilty of a of a cynicism um that we probably wouldn't think of it as cynicism right i think we'd yeah. think of it as like a feminacy or trying to be too nice but i don't believe the average evangelical believes in christ's victory over sin satan and death and that and how that actually affects us in real time but for us, like, reformed folk, I think the cynicism is just, like, we tend to have because of that. Right. Because we see that, because we don't agree, we don't come from the same kind of political thought, theological thought. We don't have the same kind of thought about how the church should influence the world, how culture is downstream uh, from the church. Uh, we tend to just be cynical over and over and over in so many ways. I, I would say we have a greater cynicism and guilt. Um, and real defeatist attitude, I think a lot of reformed circles do. Uh, because we see the state of a ch the church in America, which is very poor, um, we we can just be cynical about it all. And I do think there's something about kind of like uh, ivory tower people that really care about their doctrine, we can tend towards just real, being real downers um, a lot of the time. And I think that's affecting more than we might realize. And um, I don't think Christians should start from a place of defeat. So when we're reading The Pastor's Wife and Sabina Wormbrand is describing what her life was like in a concentration camp. Yeah. In a slave labor camp. I do not detect any jaded negativity. I do not detect defeat in her words, in the way that she views things. And this is someone in a slave labor camp who is, I mean, being beaten and forced to work in starvation and in freezing yeah. and with broken ribs and um, 
it's almost like cynicism is the luxury of someone who has first world problems. And I was thinking about that, challenging myself, mm-hmm. uh, because I think all of us as Christians have probably experienced being in valleys, right? Like spiritual valleys. Yeah. And when you're really in the valley, right? Like things, things are dark. I think the Christian inclination is to cling to any sort of light that you can see, to cling yeah. towards any, toward, toward, to hope wherever it can be found. Um, but it's almost like when you're strolling through the fields and the pastures, it's easy for you to be like, oh, well, the grass is greener over there, right? That's the yeah. old saying. Anyway, I'll stop rambling on. But the moral of the story is that I just, I, w- I want to challenge myself um, to look for places where I might just have it. I might just be really jaded because I think it's really sinful. I really think that it is coming from a place of defeat that Christians ought not be coming from no matter the circumstances. And I think there's plenty, there's a great cloud of witnesses <laughs> that we can look back to who have experienced much more dire straits and situations than many of us are. And they have been able to avoid becoming that kind of eternal cynic. Yeah. It's a lot. That's I br- I put, what you said is great. I threw a lot out there. Yeah. It's um, just what I've been thinking about. Yeah. I was mine. My thoughts about this were it. I it definitely involved like the luxury of time. Um, And then I think we also have quite a platform to voice our Ooh. opinions in general nowadays yeah. Um. to where we almost like we fill our extra time with voicing our opinion. Mm. And um, out of the abundance of the heart. Right. And so, and I think that we, so <clears throat> I'm like, I don't even know. I've been struggling to figure out how I want to put this into words, but like, <clears throat> like we all have work to do. Mm-hmm. And a part of me wonders if a lot of cynicism is born out of, well, you said even boredom, like, like mm-hmm. it's just because you have extra time doesn't mean you shouldn't be working and doing something faithful. But I think that it is very popular culturally to sort of take your extra time and um, critique everything around you, which mm. see the thing is too, like, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because that's even what we do on the show. We look at, we look at what's happening around us culturally mm-hmm. and we talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, there is a time and a place, like, don't, don't get us wrong, mm-hmm. but I don't know that that's cynicism, mm-hmm. but I do think that, uh, anyone who takes, anyone who has a little extra time that they spend thinking critically about the world around them, mm-hmm. I think there is always going to be a temptation to fall into mm-hmm. cynicism. Mm-hmm. And that is a temptation that we as a group of people have not maybe resisted mm. as well as we should, mm-hmm. or maybe minus proper accountability and other work to do, uh, keeping busy with other things that aren't critiquing the culture around you. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, I think we fall into the temptation quite a bit. Um, and, you know, and maybe this is just maybe having such a platform to express our opinion so freely, maybe there are some growing pains and some immaturity and there's there just like every other part of the walk, there is um, discipleship Mm. that needs to happen. And maybe we just haven't totally caught up to Mm. that, like, or how to minister your heart regarding cynicism. Like, Mm. first of all, I think probably a lot of people, and I know I've been, I've been guilty of this, certainly, 
just um, critique of the culture unchecked. Mm. Um, like, what purpose is this critique for? What's the application of this? Um, and then I think, I mean, again, I think a huge question is, is there something more fruitful for me to be doing <laughs> with this time? Which that's probably step number one. And a lot of us are failing. So it sounds like even. for you, you're drawing a pretty straight line between being critical and being a cynic. I just, no, I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong um, with being, uh, with thinking critically mm-hmm. or being truthful. No. In a way that is critical. Mm-hmm. But I do think we're given a pretty clear idea of what we are supposed to be doing with our time and the types of things we are supposed to be thinking on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can always brush up on your Philippians, but I don't think, (laughs) I don't think, I don't think uh, the horrible culture made it into that list, but you know, (laughs) so I'm just saying like, I think that it's, it's an overgrowth of something that is good and appropriate, mm. but we have kind of let, we have like dropped the reins. Okay. And right now we just have a bunch of wild galloping horses. <laughs> and what we really should have is a nice like trotting <laughs> carriage. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I think that we don't, it's like when you don't when the, when the horses are galloping that's when the cynicism comes in. Yeah, it's really easy for it to get out of control. Yeah. If you don't act if you're not mm. controlling the horse, it can be out of control. Yeah. Um and I And there's a lot of negative stuff out there. Yes. So if that's what you're looking at. Right. And that's only what you're looking at. It's yeah. easy to be I think it's easy to be a cynic. Yeah. It's it's uh and probably temperamentally easier for some people than others right and that's what i mean i think there is there's a big temptation there yeah and maybe we haven't like quite developed a protocol for how to um like meet cynicism or be Mm. aware of it or Mm -hmm. say like okay well that should stop here yeah or to just even critically think about yeah what it means to talk about the culture um, just because it is very popular and I enjoy it. I obviously enjoy it. How about this? Obviously. It's what we do. <laughs> is there an appropriate time to be cynical? Yeah. Okay. When is that time? I think so. Um, uh, well, and maybe I'm speaking to myself. Maybe I need to have a more clear protocol, but I think it's one of those things that like, I don't know. I feel like the older I get, the more mature I get, the more clear it becomes okay. uh, what is appropriate mm-hmm. to be biting about, mm-hmm. um, what it's appropriate to just be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like dark. Don't even don't even ask me to prove it to you. <laughs> don't even. <laughs> but I just think there I do think there are some I think that um I think we should part of tact um, is that you should be able to pick what is truly deserving mm. of cynicism. I think, oh, what I oh, here's a perfect example of it. The hotels.com joke I made with Busy Phillips, like wasn't her ad campaign for hotels.com like good thing she got an abortion because she could go on and do an ad for hotels.com. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's an absolutely appropriate moment mm-hmm. to um, have a general distaste, distrust for her motives. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that especially, I think, I, I think it's just not as curated in most of us as it should be. Mm. I think that it's like the n- number one card you play mm. instead of like mm. holding something back. Yeah. Um, and what that comes across is, is just like, I just tell the truth at all costs. I just tell it how it is. And 
And Call it like I see it. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. But what I'm saying is that what, that gets unbridled really quickly. Yeah. And you are responsible. You're responsible for your words. You're responsible for what you put out, mm-hmm. for what you leave on the internet, for what you say to your friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, cynicism is like the shocking sophomoric weapon of someone that it's not that even what they're necessarily saying is wrong. It's just, um, it's not the most tactful way to play the game. Yeah. And it's a sign of immaturity. And I, and you know, we're all there at some point. So, but I also think it's just, it, um, because of the the nature of it, because it's dealing with like dark subject matter and things that can already be like sort of have a depressing bend. Mm-hmm. It can sort of swallow you mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and like truth at all costs would also mean like truth without joy, which is a fruit of the spirit. Right. And so we can't be like forsaking the fruit, like cynicism is not a fruit Right. The truth at all costs is not a fruit. Um, right. I would say here's a here's a cynicism that people do not often realize that they are guilty of. Um, if cynicism is a, a like being jaded, having it automatically, like you said, kind of the first card you pull is. I'm going to hear this thing negatively. I'm going to feel this thing negatively. I am jaded toward this thing negatively. I have a general distrust. I think one of the ways women do that to each other, and this is very sinful, is when we do not allow someone to share their joy with us. Ah, so you're 31 and you're single and your best friend is married and they want to share their joy. And what you walk away with is, man, that they it really hurts me. It really hurts me that they did not consider my feelings because they're married and I'm single. Um just that that general kind of root of just people aren't thinking about me enough. I have a general, my general belief towards my sisters in Christ is they are not concerned enough with how their happiness makes me feel. And that is, that is a cynicism that is sinful, that will cause division, um, and I was just talking to a friend about this, about um, just that we we truly show up for ourselves in a way that we don't show up for other people. I think a lot of people approach the church and approach um, how they're going to interact with their church based on how their needs can be fulfilled and met. And the automatic assumption when you perceive that your needs aren't being met is that other people just weren't thinking enough about you. And just that that internal running checklist of who thought the most about me, whether you realize you have one or yeah. not. You know, people will um people will talk about their involvement with the church about how, in ways about how it pleases them, what they liked, what they disliked. And almost just having a general distrust for anyone who isn't meeting those needs. It's a real self-focused cynicism and I think jadedness. You hear it a lot um, when you try to say something like, motherhood is good. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you are not loving the people who are not mothers when you say things like that. It's a distrust for just a automatic negative view of what someone is saying based on a perceived hurt that someone else might have. Right. And it's a way that we attempt to, I think, manipulate and control others and that we despise other people's happiness. We're, we're, we'd rather be cynical. 
Right. Um, and, you know, th- those are, I think, the more subversive types of cynicism that we might not even recognize that sometimes just run unchecked. Yeah. Because we think, we truly think about ourselves so much in fir- first. We're so self-focused um, that we don't, I think we shamelessly will say things like that. We will shamelessly, and without yeah. even without even being able to hear ourselves say, oh, you enjoy motherhood? <gasps> well, some people do not. What about them? <laughs> it's like, um, can you hear yourself? I would really like to bring your grandmas into this. Can, can somebody's grandma please come get their <laughs> granddaughter? Because for whatever reason, if you were born after 1980, you can't hear yourself saying these things. I find myself saying, I'll just, we'll just be, I don't know, doing something. And I'm like, spankings, not enough. These people didn't have enough spankings. Not enough spankings. Not enough spankings. Not enough fathers going, son. Uh huh. <laughs> Click the link, son. Son. Yeah, very niche. Um, it's like I have to call you son because because someone did. You needed someone to. You needed a father figure. <laughs> you needed your mammy to say no. Well, yeah, and I guess ultimately what you're talking about is like how you see the world. Yes. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And I guess yeah. So I guess my like to sort of weave our perspectives in. I guess my thoughts on cynicism are more that your hot takes Mm. say a lot about what you think about the world. Mm -hmm. And um, you need to be careful what you think Mm -hmm. about the world. You need to be able to address and um, look into, you need to be able to inventory what you think about the world because it does it will affect um it will affect your life <laughs> your whole life um it, that seems obvious but i guess maybe not not quite as much as it needs to be since mm-hmm. some of us are still not hearing ourselves <laughs> well and i talk. do think obviously the process of sanctification is a long right slow one yes and you know you don't come to the lord and just immediately have all of your sins worked out of you yeah (laughs) you will continue to sin and uh we've said i think many times before isn't the lord gracious that he doesn't show us all of our sin at once yeah we would all just bury ourselves in a hole give up well and isn't he gracious to um use people who have battled their way through cynicism Mm -hmm. to speak to us about our own yeah cynicism and many other things yeah that gracious woman that pulled you aside at church and said hey (laughs) or when you said something and her response was a very gentle maybe didn't make as much sense as you would think Mm -hmm. maybe when she just didn't participate in your Mm -hmm. complaint session Mm -hmm. um, or wasn't receptive to the complaining you were doing Mm -hmm. maybe that was her saying Oh, I know what you're doing mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, but you're wrong. You are wrong. I won't be joining. <laughs> I won't be joining you. <laughs> I think women are trained. I think women in particular, I guess I can't speak to like what it's like to be in a man's community because I haven't been right in a brotherhood. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so I, what I can say is that I think women in particular are trained to be cynical. There's something uh, perceived as very tough about a cynic. Well, we live in a world where we are, our whole feminist world was shaped by just the idea that you're not equal. Um, you're marginalized. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You've been given the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Your husband gets to go out and mm-hmm. drink martinis at his work lunch and you get to stay home and the kids get to hang on you we're women are cynical because we have given we have given so much importance to every complaint we've had for the last 70 years yes yeah and 
it doesn't matter what your complaints are. If you gripe and groan for 70 years, you will feel very negatively <laughs> about the world. Yes. It will be full of complaining. <laughs> There is no joy in no. a life full of complaining. No. And I think that the something I have something I'm I am also wanting to grow in my understanding of is what does it mean to have a gentle and quiet spirit? And that's a whole other large topic, but I definitely know that the gentle and quiet spirit lives in opposition to the kind of tough negative spirit of a cynic and like you said not you know let's not play with words of course there are some things that are worthy of being cynical about if we're just going to take the definition of the word there are things you can safely righteously there's nothing good to say about them it's just condemnation on yes. that topic there it's very clear i can i can be rest assured if there's a a new show produced in 2023 if you want to be cynical and say ha but there's a gay character <laughs> i would not say that you have the tough unrighteous spirit of a cynic i would say you are looking with your eyeballs at right. reality and acknowledging yeah reality there's probably a gay character that's probably that's very likely in fact and it's okay to have a general distrust yeah of that's fine if that's been keeping you from if that's been preoccupying all of your time (sighs) and it's kept you from getting a wife or a husband and having children i would say maybe don't focus on your correct observations of the world quite as much (laughs) Yes. I guess that's what I was. That was my takeaway is that we use like we even when we're like correctly evaluating something, it has become mm-hmm. an occupation. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. And it's kept us from other really good. Don't make it things. your occupation is a is a very wise <laughs> piece of advice <laughs> from Joy here. You don't have to be preoccupied <laughs> with these things. You can righteously be cynical about what you have righteously observed with your eyes. I think I, when I, what I started with when I was talking about how too many Christians live from a place of defeat. Yeah. um, That doesn't mean that there are things that are not worthy of being cynical towards. I think there's a righteous way to do that. Uh, And I think the sin is, are you cynical of just everything? Of just all the things? Do you start your day from a place of defeat? Because, man, there's so much hope and so much to cling to when you know how the story of the world ends. And you ought to. If you trust Jesus, you know how the story ends. Of the world ends. You know how your own story ends. And you know why you're, you might not know specifically why you're where you are, but you do know where you're going. uh, Well, and you know, you know where you are, which is in the safety of God's sovereignty. Yeah. So you may, you may not understand, like there are ways of, Mm -hmm. of looking at this. Mm -hmm. You need your, your outlook should match your worldview. Mm-hmm. So if you believe that God's sovereign and you trust him to provide for you everything that you need, mm-hmm. then this valley. You can trust it. What does it mean yeah. that you're in the valley? Yeah. Does the valley mean suddenly that God has abandoned you? Or does it mean that, that God is giving you this opportunity? This, this moment is the means mm-hmm. that God is using Mm-hmm. To teach you to trust him. Yeah. To increase intimacy with him. Yeah. That your prayer life would flourish, that your reading of the word would flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, your What you believe about God mm. needs to match yeah. how you yeah. behave. Yeah. Amen. But I mean, let's say nothing else. That's... <laughs> th- yes. Good. Good. <laughs> yes and amen. You can leave us a voicemail. <laughs> 470 Four six five zero four seven five. Um, I don't think I have anything else I need to remind you guys of. 
I there's like so much more I want to say about like twelve other things, but I feel like I'm gonna put my foot. We in have more episodes we can do. We'll wait on that. Yeah, there is one thing we're supposed to talk about before we conclude. Oh yeah, let's do that. <laughs> the episode. That's right. Um, which is kind I knew of an there interesting. Was something else. I was like, there's something else. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting shift. Um, it's the opposite of cynicism. <laughs> uh, so. There is something happening in Sheologians that, uh, why am I like suddenly nervous? I don't know. Why? Um, <laughs> there, There's kind of a... We trust the Lord. There is an event happening <laughs> that is going to make it onto the Sheologians timeline of history. <laughs> that is happening right now and we're announcing it to you right now. <laughs> We should just save uh, this segment and then play it in a couple months and then be like, remember when we recorded this a couple months ago? Enjoy this announcement from three months ago. Why are we telling you this timeline? Okay. Anyway. Okay. So, um, I, Joy Hunter, um, am moving to another state called Louisiana. <laughs> I was going to be like, everybody's holding their breath. Is it my state? <laughs> is it my state? Which state? Is it my Yay for some of you. Yay if you live in Louisiana. Yeah. She's moving to the whole state. So yeah. she'll be touring. Yeah. No. Just, it's kind of, it's like a kind of like a postal service type thing. Like I'll just be stopping by <laughs> like your house on one block or it's like Milkman. I'll just like leave presents. I have Santa always Claus. I have always wanted to visit the bayou. Yeah, I've Nolans. actually I've, I've never ri- been to Louisiana ever. I've driven through, but I was young. I I had a plan to go and then it was like a road trip situation and we I just, just realized I have someone I can stay with in Louisiana. Why yeah. has this never occurred to me? Yeah, you do. It could actually be fun. Um, well, and everyone else who lives in Louisiana is like, well, me too. You can come stay with me, Summer. <laughs> I'm way Duh. too weird. You all are not. You don't want me at your house. You better have no lights at your house. No lights. Turn them all off. And your neighbor's lights. That light's still on, by the way. Anyway. It's horrible. <laughs> Haunts your dreams. Okay. But yeah, so um, that's happening. It's a little hard to process at this point. I'm an Arizona native. I lived in the Chicago area for about three months. Other than that, <laughs> and you know what? That was the three months I moved I to Arizona. And you were like, "Joy's not real. I, she doesn't actually." When go I here. first moved here, well, I I'm from here too, but right. I didn't know you. You're we're both natives, yeah. And then I lived in Georgia, mm-hmm. and then I moved back, and I first started coming to Apologia in 2015, and you were never there, and yeah. I was like, "They made her up." Right. They needed like a female on the show and someone's played the part early of AI. Joy. Early yeah. AI. Just a robot. Um but yeah, so um I'm moving. Sheologians is still happening. Um Are you gonna tell them why? Yes. Okay. Uh there's a few reasons why. First of all, um it has always been the plan. Uh, my husband's plan for me to be a homemaker and not be working. Um, at least not, obviously I'll still be working, uh, doing sheologians, but, uh, not working full time. Um, and so he has been using this time that I have been working to build a business that's sustainable, that can take care of our family. And, um, there are more in-person opportunities. A lot of what he does is online, but there are a lot more in-person opportunities uh, in the southern deep south states. And um, so that is a switch that we have always known is coming uh, out in Louisiana. That is much more feasible just because of the price of land, homes, um, and my husband's from East Texas. He's just a Southerner. Yeah. You can't keep him away. <laughs> you really can't. Um, also, he is... Is Texas part of the South? Anyway. East Texas is. Okay. Okay. Um, I accept. Just because it is like... the Even the environment is more 
it overhangs. Swampy. Texas is a large city. Yeah. Large place. Right. We got to let them have, yeah. like, identify with something that's not just Texas. Texas. Though, I think they're <laughs> Though content. Texas is enough. They're content with that. If you're from Texas, it's enough for you. <laughs> we know. When you marry a Texan, you realize that they start every morning saying the Texas Pledge. <laughs> Just wake up. Ah. <laughs> Otherwise, Texas. someone comes for them. <laughs> um. <laughs> then they holster their gun while they eat a plate of bacon. <laughs> right. And a 72-ounce steak. <laughs> Um, uh, the other reason is that, uh, my, our family, not just my husband, but our whole family has, a very, uh, biblical perspective on land and animal management. And we think it should be done privately by the citizens and mm. not by the government. Um, we think that is a part of the dominion mandate. And um, so a part of why we were moving there is that my husband, uh, which I think I've mentioned this a little bit before on the show, but my husband is uh, searching for and hoping to document and research a rare bird, which uh, I think may even technically be considered extinct. Right. Um, I think that they lost, there was a hearing and stuff, but Fish and Wildlife was um, wanting to list it as extinct. Um, but there are many credible, mm. there, there's a difference. Uh, the The definition of credible is different mm. um, for bureaucratic government yeah. organizations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so um, this is just, it sounds a little random, but it's definitely not. This is one of those things that <laughs> uh, God has sort of shown up many many steps along the way and it's been like mm, I don't believe in uncanny I don't believe yeah. in coincidence so right um so we're going there for that that's where uh there's sightings in many different places but uh one of the largest collections of research done on the ivory-billed woodpecker which is what the bird, bird. is called yeah. um was done in Louisiana on um, the Singer Tract, which used to be called the Singer Tract, was owned by the sewing machine company. Oh. Um, and is now called the Tensaw National Forest. Okay. So there are many areas that this bird might be in, but this is the particular one. And the guy that Matthew is linking up with to accomplish this task is also searching right. in the Tensaw and the area around Monroe, West Monroe, Louisiana. So we'll more than likely be in West Monroe. Yeah. Maybe Ruston, Louisiana, but probably West Monroe. Um, why else? I think I feel like I had another reason why. I don't know. That's it. Another. Oh, <laughs> that's why we're. Uh, <laughs> but that's why we're doing this. These are enough. Um, both good reasons. Uh, I anticipate the next few months being emotional. Yeah. Uh, it's been a little easy to kind of push it off. Yeah. Kind of. Yes. But as we get closer and are making more and more preparations. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I figured it was time that we let you guys know, especially because <laughs> there's been a few times in the last few episodes where I've almost referenced something. <laughs> And then I've had to stop myself because I'm like, oh, they don't know what that means. What does that <laughs> well, you're mean? saying that doesn't make sense to them. Um, but yeah, so we'll continue to do sheologians through the blessing of modern technology. Yes. Um, and I think we'll be close. I I regret that being in person. I don't think I don't think you can ever quite get the same as in person. No, but. That being said, we'll have many occasions still to yeah. be in person and record with one another. Yeah. My family still lives here. Um, my Our church family yeah. is here. Is here. <laughs> there will be no shortage of yeah. visiting. Right. And in those instances, we can, we should probably record like five episodes <laughs> from all of our Three pent of them up. will exclusively be... <laughs> chatting yes just chatting (laughs) (laughs) we'll just have to release those to patreon or something (laughs) these we can't put that out there this is for a special kind of person we're doing a series called skip this (laughs) if you don't like chatting 
Um, but yeah, so um, it's a lot of change. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're thinking about us, pray for us. We have is that lots still of practical things to make, decisions May? to make. Yeah, our okay. lease is up in Arizona in the middle of May. So, you know, there's a little flexibility there with the timing just because right. we have such wonderful friends, family um, who can help us yeah. accommodate. But that's the that's the general timeline. Yeah. So someone, someone was like someone came over to my house earlier this week and I guess they just heard that you were uh-huh. leaving and they were like. Joy's leaving. And I was like, hi. <laughs> um. I am Summer, who lives in the month of March. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a... That's a May summer that's a thing. a May summer problem. She's... So. She'll... You better ask her how she's going to deal with that. Kind of rude of you <laughs> to ask May summer to talk about her feelings. Because, it's really not her business. <laughs> because I'm March summer. I live in the moment. Yeah. And that's not my problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was literally what I said. <laughs> well, when I first told Summer, Summer was like, "Well, I'll be processing that when it happens." <laughs> Don't ask me to have tomorrow's feelings today. I have today feelings. That's a lot. That's a lot. Which honestly is, it's that's great advice. Uh-huh. There is something similar. There's a biblical parallelism, which is like. Don't worry. Tomorrow's, like, tomorrow yeah. has, has enough. enough. It's like May has enough for me. Tomorrow has its own emotions. <laughs> Let's just have today's, today's today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm. I think overwhelmingly, I'm happy. I'm. It's a good. And there's a great church there that you yes. guys love. Yeah, like, we already, already have a, ch- know, a great church. And... You already know where you're landing with that. Yes. And they're wonderful. Yeah. I'll never tell them to their faces, but they're <laughs> wonderful. And they're pa- the pastor is wonderful. Yeah. And that's a huge. I've, I remember somebody also this week asked me like, oh, would you ever move so-and-so? And I was like, is there a good church? Yeah. Is I mean, there a good church? Was, because that's really my one. Well, so that was the funny thing is that like, so this church that we're attending has been linked up with Apologia before doing ministry. And um, so Matthew, at the beginning of 2022, uh-huh. went to go help with the initial search for the bird. Um and while he was there, so he went to man camp right before that. And he met the pastor and the pastor was like, oh, we're in Calhoun. We're in like West Monroe area. Uh-huh. And then that was where Matthew was going uh-huh. to search. So these two things like linked up independently. And that's just an example of some of the stuff that's happened and. It definitely, God is definitely uh, providing everything and has been doing that for a while before we even thought that we would be moving there. Um, and yeah, I'm from here. And so it's weird. There, I think there'll be some culture shock, but oh, it's yeah. a, it's yeah. a good, exciting, um, it's a good, exciting moment. Uh, yeah. And it makes I'm while I'm there's, you know, again, there's emotions that are going to happen. Yeah. But um, I'm I think primarily excited. I've been here. I've been a part of this church for a long, long time. Since um, the beginning. Right. And most <laughs> of it as Joy Tembi. And I'm yeah. very excited, um, you know, as a hunter. Yeah. To. This is sort of a shift where, I mean, I don't know, like in a way we're starting over as our family. Yeah. You know, and not that I'm not, please don't take that the wrong way and be like, when you get married, you have to leave your church if the woman went there first. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying that, you know, we're, we're coming into, so my husband has always had an idea of what he wanted things to look like for our family. Yeah. And we are heading now at the part where it looks like what he wants instead of sort of the sacrifices we've had to make to prepare and get us ready. Yeah. So 
a lot of since I've been married, a lot of what you've heard of me is preparation for this moment. And it's like it was it was a lot of work. Yeah. To get here to what m- my husband wanted our family to look like. And that's my I mean, that's what I want more than right. anything. So praise God. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. And, and y'all at that church better take care of him. Because <laughs> I know your telephone number. <laughs> Something. I know your mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're like, what threat? <laughs> what? What's going to make me sound very tough? I have zero threats to make. <laughs> I've made the worst threat I can. <laughs> Just you take care of her and be Christians. You hear? <laughs> okay. You hear? You hear? Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me come visit you. <laughs> like, would be like, actually well, a great time. That. Yeah. <laughs> we would have fun. Uh. <laughs> All right. All right. We're just. Right, that's it. We're gonna stop right there. Yeah. Okay, guys. We hope you have a lovely week. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>